0: Welcome to the Soccer Coaching Podcast, brought to you in association with our friends at Soccer Coach Weekly, reflecting our shared ambition to help coaches have the most effective, enjoyable and successful coaching journey for them and their players. We hope you enjoyed this episode and thanks for listening. Mark, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing?
1: Hi, Scott. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting me. Very well, thank you.
0: I, it, honestly, as always, it is entirely my pleasure. Thank you so much for being so kind as to say yes very quickly um, and making yourself available. I also know that it could be one, a, a well-earned day off for of you. You've given up some time to <laughs> to spend with us, so re- very grateful indeed. Obviously, I, I knew you before because of some of the stuff you've done <laughs> through the podcast and other work that you've done. I've now got the privilege of having you as one of our tutors on our UA for B course, so uh, I think it's more pressure on me or you. I think there's more pressure on me, isn't it? I'm sure. but. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) I get a chance to turn the tables a little bit and put some pressure on you hopefully for a few questions Um, but for those that don't know you Mark or you know haven't heard the podcast stuff like that just a little bit about your background and what does your company do?
1: Yeah so I'm currently pre-academy manager at Arsenal um, and what that essentially means is trying to I suppose um, put together a group of boys that are going to Enter their academy journey from 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 next season. Um, it's a bit like an under transfer window, really, season long. Um, <laughs> all great fun, and it's something that we love. We we, we love doing. We love football, and um, we like seeing these boys progress and develop. Um, but winding it back from there, I spent ten years at the English Football Association. Um, more recently, as a county coach developer, so delivering things like the the level one, the level two, which has obviously been uh, changed now, um, and as you know, Scott, the UEFA B also, um, so that kind of stuff, which I really enjoy, and it's about for me using a bit of, I suppose, emotional intelligence and being able to empathise with the learners, because um, you know these are all journeys that, that that I've been on in my career, and I know how difficult they can be at times and anxiety inducing, um, so for me it's just trying to reassure people and just make sure that they're in a nice, warm, friendly, cosy environment for uh, to allow learning to take place. So that's the kind of stuff that, that I really still enjoy doing and. Um, you know, having an employer like Arsenal, they're they're still open for me to um, continue stuff like that, which is great. Um, And then going back from there, it was sort of community stuff, really, which again is really close to my heart. So working at a variety of different clubs in in different guises, but um, yeah, community managers, community coach, which is where I think um, some of the real work's done. Um, It's great where you're at a Uh, elite environment such as uh, Arsenal but um, you know working with grassroots and um, trying to um, play a part in sort of the introduction of the game for for lots of children of different ages and different abilities is is, is always going to be close to my heart really. Um, So that's what I've done Um, and then prior to that it was sort of sports centre work and I think, like many people, you kind of realise to yourself, you know, what is it that I love doing? What is it I've got a passion for? And for me, it was always football. And, um, you know, you, you realise that, you know, I probably wasn't at the, the, the level to make it at the professional um, grade. But, um, you know, I'm not one of these that's going to sit here and say, I had this uh, horrendous uh, hamstring injury. <laughs> making uh 50 international appearances um you just simply wasn't at the level wasn't wasn't good enough but um you know I do remember um you know when you have like careers advisors at school and there was one that was sort of saying to me what what is it you want to do mark and for me it was football 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 and I just remember her saying you know you need to think about getting a real job yeah. um, whatever a real job was. Yeah. I don't know. I still don't know what a real job is. but um, And it really just threw me off, really. And I thought, oh, yeah, a real job. OK, let's go and look into that. And I just was unhappy. Um, and I mean, it's great that you're able to do those jobs and then realise and have an understanding that, you know, this is not what I want to do as a career. Um, so inadvertently, I suppose, she she kind of um, inspired me um, to go down the, the football route um and yeah so kind of a back to front way of answering that question scott but i think we probably (laughs) probably got there it's a perfect answer you've
0: got a lot of careers advisors haven't you like one way or another they find a way to (laughs) to influence you um honestly i remember our one she uh, she told us you were either gonna be a baggage handler or a lawyer (laughs) there was nothing else in between and i was like okay fair enough um but yeah I'm always interested to know, like especially like I've had the privilege of seeing you do your coaching <laughs> sessions, and you know you, you, you're a whole level that we aspire to get to. Um, how much of you getting into coaching and your coaching style um, is built on or influenced by your own playing journeys, like by coaching, mm-hmm. I mean, like the coaches that had you when you were younger and how they influenced you? Was it a good experience or a bad experience? And is that part of how you deliver now?
1: Yeah, what a great question. I think um, yeah, and it has got. Um, you know, I always remember um, uh, a coach when I was playing sort of semi semi-prof- professional in, in, in youth teams, and it was very much um, a um, command style approach, yeah. um, very uh, authoritarian. Um, very much, um, you know, you need to listen. I'm going to tell you what to do. And, I mean, we talked about it probably on the last um, block of the o for b Scott, but we, we all learn in completely different ways. And for me, I was very much that sort of kinesthetic learner, the doer. I wanted to be moving and doing stuff. And I just, I didn't understand what he wanted me to do. And he was getting increasingly frustrated. Um, and there was a group of, let's say, 16 of us. And I get it that a third of that group would have gone, yeah, brilliant, we know what to do. But I found it more of a sort of a a test and and I just didn't understand. So naturally then for me, I would gravitate towards the back of the group and kind of look and see what the front of the group were doing. Because at that age, um, sort of 15, 16, I I just didn't have a voice. I wasn't able um, to question the coach and say, can you explain it again? I don't understand. And partly um, that was because of the environment that, that, that wasn't created um, yeah. for, me, for, for learning to take place. So it became increasingly frustrating. So sort of circling back around, I, I kind of use that sort of em, em, empathetic approach, I suppose, to, to go, hold on, you know, there might be learners in this classroom or, or people that I've coached over the years that are not getting it. So it's down to me as a, as a practitioner, to be able to draw on those experiences and explain things in a different way to try and catch people in rather than catch
0: people out absolutely yeah brilliant i always think that you can't you can't separate your own journey can you from kind of your coaching style Well, good bad or indifferent i think you're influenced yeah. by that Brilliant, thank you so much. And obviously pre-academy Arsenal then. A fantastic environment. I've had the privilege of being there a few times to watch different coaches do sessions, and it's always unbelievable, not just the sessions, yeah. but the players as well. I don't mean how they play their football, because I'm sure that's pretty, you know, consistent across, <laughs> you know, Cat One Academies. But just the, the the players' attitude, their behavior, um, their respectfulness, all the other stuff that comes in that live skill things, from the very younger age, uh, uh, oh, from the very young ages all the way up to the, the YDP phase, stuff like that. How much do you enjoy the pre-academy then? Is it an age group that you you you, you like being involved in, the younger ones, or is yeah. it because, actually, you know what, that's where I am right now, and who knows where I'm going to go to?
1: Yeah, um, I, I love it. Um, you know, at the FA worked as part of the skills programme for five to 11-year-olds, and... Um, <laughs> It was a time in my life where I thought well I've got this coaching thing sorted out I think I'm all right as a coach and I know what there is to know very very naive
0: Scott there always Dame just saw that one uh, isn't it yeah, yeah. That's the, the minute yeah. you say probably you think that yeah <laughs>
1: yeah and going into that you're just open to this uh real. You know, plethora of, of richness with regards to learning and, and being able to absorb. And if you've got the right mindset, intrinsically motivated by stuff like that, then, you know, for me, it was, it was, you know, the best five or six years easily in my coaching journey, easily. I mean, you know, that's why I would probably use the word practitioner as opposed to coach now, because it is a real, holistic approach to to what we're doing. And I think loosely, I suppose, we were almost classed as experts, whatever that means, in that age group, Um, very sort of well-skilled and well-versed in in, in a lot of aspects with regards to that sort of 5 to 11 range. Um, And it is a real sort of deep dive into, you know, brain development, um, behaviour management, We come onto it, but structuring, structuring um, session plans effectively, learning outcomes, all of this kind of stuff, which you know takes time. If you're going to do it right, you've got to really plan um, everything and try and plan as best you can for contingencies and you know different eventualities. But um, for me, I was always intrigued with that age group, Um, and certainly the the ages and stages and and and. um, You know, the language right down to the language that we use being relevant and age specific, you know, and that was another thing that was born out of um, me being that sort of young six and seven, six or seven year old. And I remember (laughs) um, South Reading Leisure Centre on the hardcore area many years ago, for those who remember that. Um, uh, And and I remember, I think it was like a boys' brigade team or something. And um, the, the, the coach was saying something about open out and was screaming, open out, open out. I'm six. I've got no idea what he's on about. Um, But then I just try and run faster, thinking that the the noise will go away, so I run faster. Um, But Mm -hmm. And it was things like that that stayed with me, going, hold on a minute, do do they understand? Does a six-year-old understand? I do now as an adult. You will, Scott. But do do they understand? They probably don't. So, in fact... If I say something along the lines of, I don't know, can you, can you get somewhere where you can see both goals? Wow. You know, I can see that one and I can see that one and I'm I'm probably where you want me opened out. So it's about the terminology and the reframing um, the, the, the question. Um, which I think comes down to knowing your audience, knowing your players and, and just effective planning, really. But yeah, that, that's the age group that I like. And um, I love the um, the inquisit, how inquisitive they are, um, their questioning, naivety, all of this stuff that really challenges you as a coach. Um, and they will at that age. They, they, they have got got uh, a voice where they will say things and challenge you.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, which is a polar opposite to, to, to when you get into those adolescent years and you're a yeah. bit more
0: served and uh yeah um, i was gonna say like i've got the under 15s now i've had them since under sixes, and i do young, younger ones wow. as well and you know the 15s is like putting teeth you know again like how they get through it from a session you've got no idea if you, they've liked it or not you know, they, they tend yeah. to but you don't you don't know with the little ones you know where you stand there's no doubt if it's been a good session or not in their eyes because they let you know which yeah, i like yes, <laughs>
1: Yeah, they will, and it's um, yeah. I mean, it's 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 an age I, I, I love to work with, and, and and I'm really into um, you know, since going into sort of further education, I'm really into like the neuroscience type uh, uh, side of things. Um, Sally Needham, um, I'm sure some of the listeners will know, worked with Sally at the FA, um, talks wonderfully on this. I would urge anyone. If they're looking to gain knowledge in this area is to, to check out any podcasts that Sally, Sally has been involved in, um, because that is taking things to another level. Um, yeah. So I won't spoil it for people, but it's, it's, it's essentially, you know, some of the stuff she'll talk about is some work by, um, Dr. Stephen Porges, um, the polyvagal theory, which is the vagus nerve that we've running from our stomachs all the way up to our brains. So that, uh, saying of gut feeling that's where that comes from Um, and it just reminds me of me as that 15 year old you know feel anxiety on the the side and um, you know it's connected with fight flight freeze and shut down and if that environment wasn't right for me and and, and conducive for learning to take place then you would get shut down from me I wouldn't I wouldn't want to engage so um yeah all of that stuff when you marry it when you marry it all up together i think it can be quite powerful for for us as practitioners
0: yeah, your framing there is perfect, in it? Because like you say, I think a coach probably doesn't do the role justice, does it? When you say a practitioner, it's a craft, yeah. isn't it? There's so many other variables that come into play and look, we can't master everything. But the more you understand some of these things and actually the more tools you have in your own toolkit to be able to support the players, right? And, you know, neuroscience is a big part of that now, isn't it? Understanding how players think and feel about things and how you can think and support that. You know, it's it's not just coaching anymore. There's so much more to it, even with under sixes, right? And maybe even especially the younger players, right? Because the more you get that right, then hopefully the better their journey is going to be. Brilliant. Well, uh, we can't go onto the main meat of the uh, podcast today without covering your own podcast, which I'm a mm-hmm. massive fan of and listen to lots of the episodes. So the grassroots yeah. football coach podcast, a bit about how that became about and what's going on with it and when we can get some more episodes. <laughs> Yeah,
1: um, that was again, you know, a few years ago now. And um, when I when I first took on the um, county coach developer role, I remember going into Barts and Bucks FA and they mentioned about, um, you know, can you can you put together some session plans that we can put up on the website? And I said, yeah, no problem, I'd love to. But you know, what about a podcast? And the person at the time, um, it wasn't Rich at the time, Rich Brant, who I do it with, it was someone else. Um, I think they fell off their chair and. <laughs> Got back on their chair and probably <laughs> together were like, um, are you serious? And I said, well, I, you know, we're in a different era now. And, and, and again, if it's myself, I'm not a great reader. Um, you know, I'd like to uh, maximise my time in the car uh, when I'm travelling an hour a day on average. So, you know, let, let's look into it. And to be fair to Barks and Bucks, they resourced it. And um, yeah, we got the relevant subscriptions and um yeah we just wanted to get a real um similar to you're doing scott a real uh, eclectic mix of, of, of different coaches and practitioners that are able to share their stories with their specific and um relevant age groups and um you know ours will range from from grassroots coaches right the way up to coaches that are currently working in the game and ex-players that have you know Played in the Premier League and won World Cups and things, so it's hopefully there's something, um, something for everyone there. And I, I'm sure you'll um, testify to this, Scott. But um, for us doing these podcasts, for me selfishly, it's it's another way yeah, to learn so
0: much. Absolutely. Yeah, that's my approach. Yeah. Like, if no one listens, it's like okay, I'm going to get something out of it anyway. But ultimately, you know, if you come here as a as a consumer of them, then you know you, you ask better questions, and you listen, and you learn yourself. And that's I think you know the audience is the same. Right, we're all in the same position. Right, we're all trying to get better at what we do. So um, we we'll had some great guests on it, Mark, and some really good guests. I've listened to lots of the episodes. Like you said, it's quite nice. You can pick and kind of choose which ones you might think are more relevant to you. But honestly, there's not many I can't think aren't relevant to anybody. So and um, what we'll do if it's okay, we'll put the link in our show notes, so people can find that nice. And easy, um, and I'd urge people to have a listen to that because it is it is really good. Have you got more coming out soon? I think it's gonna, I haven't seen any for a little while. I know you're a busy man, but are we, <laughs> is there hope of more coming out soon? Yeah, there is. Yes. Yeah, funny enough, um,
1: we did one, um, we did one this week. Um, with a guy called uh, Mariano, um, who is a, a coach that came on the level one course with us at Barks and Bucks, um, level two course with us at Barks and Bucks, and uh, without giving too much away, he's now a coach in La Liga. And wow. uh, on that's someday, some journey, yeah, yeah. On his uh, team Granada um, drew with Barcelona. So <laughs> oh, there you <laughs> go. Minute. It's on all down level, level one, one, Mark. Honestly, yeah. that's that's you see. <laughs> Number one, was a bucks and bucks, and then he's um, coaching um, against Barcelona. His first game actually was Real Madrid away. So, uh, uh, oh,
0: fair play. Good. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big Granada
1: fan now, Scott. Yeah, yeah, I, really I can
0: imagine. Yeah. Lovely. We all Lovely. will be after the podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all have a listen. William, yeah, thank you so much. Well, look, um, the, the the point of today's conversation is really about, like, again, with you, we could have picked loads of things, but you know, and it's a bit general this one. But look, just trying to think about how we could, as coaches, deliver an effective training session. So, obviously, with your experience with the FA and all, all your coach development stuff, and as well as obviously work at Arsenal, okay. um, you just seem well positioned to give us some ideas around some of the ways in which you might approach kind of trying to put together an effective training session. Mm-hmm. I know it's really broad marks. So I do apologize but if we could kind of nail down some of this stuff i'm sure it'd be useful but i guess the first question really is you know so we're on the same page here but in your eyes what is an effective training session i think for me um look if you wind it all back you look at
1: the game in its simplest form it is um directional um it is an invasion game and it is very much random Right. So if you look at those three things, and then if you look back to when I'm sure yourself and, and, and definitely me, again on that hardcore area at uh, South Reading Leisure Centre when I was playing for Spencer's Wood. Um, and bless the, the coaches that, that, that led the sessions. And, and, and as like now, you know, lots of volunteers that if it wasn't for them, and I'm really concerned about this dropout rate, um, you know, you can go out there and find the stats. Around about f- uh, fourteen in boys' football. Um, so if it wasn't for them, then I don't know if I'd be sat here. But my point is, um, these volunteers, or this volunteer in particular that I'm talking about, um, you know, it was uh, traffic cones. He used to get these big traffic cones out the the, the uh, his car that um, probably thinking about it now were nicked off the M4 or something like that. <laughs> Lined up and we're like, oh no. So it would consist of running in and out the cones or he would shout a number. You'd have to touch the cone and run back and then we'd get the footballs up. But it would be... Um, our question, as always, was, are we going to play a match today? Yeah, and he yeah, would answer, it, if you good yeah. or... If you're good, uh, only at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> the end. It was always <laughs> at the end as well. It was always at the end. And it would be linked to if you work hard, you know. Yeah. And it's only now that I'm thinking, hold on a minute, but we're practising... You know, we've got this wonderful, wonderful opportunity on a Wednesday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, whatever it is, to try and practice what we're going to do on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning. Um, And for us, we wasted that glorious opportunity. And I'm not affording any blame to to, to this particular coach or these coaches. I'm really not. Um, But that was my experience. So then wind it forward to where we are now. And I'm thinking me as that little kid i want to maximize this time and play as much football as i can so for for me is it effective is it realistic um to the game to that age group that you're coaching so you know the being at the fa i was introduced to whole part whole um so, for those who run away, what that is, it was, you know, essentially for us, it was a game at the start, the hole, which whatever that hole was, uh, sorry, the part, you know, your learning outcome, whatever that was, you wanted to focus on, and then returning to the whole, the game at the end, but there was a link between all three. So you weren't rushing around and doing right, I'm going to do a bit of dribbling here and a bit of um, passing here and a bit of shooting there. It was a theme that perhaps you noticed as a coach um, and you could knit it all together. So you'd have the lovely randomness at the start of a game and that might be player led. Um, you're there as a coach facilitating but it might be player led so for me um, you know for us now it might be that Scott you and I are the first ones to the training session we can play 1v1, so we're getting lots of goes at the thing that we're going to do on Saturday or Sunday. The others join, it's 2v1, it's underloaded, it's overloaded, well that happens on a game as well, so we get opportunities to practice that. And then um, you get your group there, you can work on the part bit and then return again, so there's lots and lots of opportunities. And when you think about the coaching um, spectrum, so constant, variable and random, my sessions that I talked about Um, when I was a a child, were very much constant. So if I've got a tennis ball now and I could magically throw it through this screen at you, Scott, you'd be able to catch it and throw it back. I'd catch it and throw it back. And that's very much constant. And we'd probably be quite good at that. Um, I could probably do it with one eye closed and throw it and catch it, throw it, catch it. I could probably do it standing on uh, one leg. So the success rate goes through the roof. But the decision making is extremely low and so far different from what's going to happen on a Saturday or Sunday. I don't want people to think that there's not a place for it because, of course, there is. You know, if we if, and I mentioned it on the course, I think if I'm a, uh, a concert pianist, then you know I'm going to need to warm up before I go on and, and get my fingers working and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, et cetera. I get that. But I think there is a you know a real richness um, and a real benefit of of these boys being exposed in random situations to uh, a whole um, variety of different pressures, pressures from behind that you're going to get in a game, pressure from the side, pressure from the front, you know, muscle memory kicks in and you work out how you deal with these pressures, multiple pressures. Um, so, yeah. So for me, an effective session would be right. Knowing your players, knowing your team, knowing what we, uh, you know what our strengths are. What what are the areas of development? What we can perhaps work on, and it might be a block of you know two weeks, three weeks, four weeks uh, of doing a similar theme or similar learning outcome. Um, and I'm not suggesting for any minute that you would do the, exactly the same thing every week because you know me now is that well, I'm going to get bored. So let's um, have some variety in there. But yeah, as close as you can get to 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 random. And again. There's a huge misconception that came out a few years ago about letting the game be the teacher. So, as a um, as a coach developer going out, and for for a couple of years, it was seeing coaches at the side, almost redundant and just letting the boys just watching yeah yeah (laughs) going for the game essentially not actually contributing yeah yeah we have to to be careful with that as well because we have to know when to throw in the life raft and go in and help and and that's where um you know your coaching styles will come in the language that you use and um you have to understand you know how much of your session or when you need to be a bit more command yeah Uh, authoritarian and um, you know going in and and, and telling Um, and when there's a place for you know nice question and answer or guided discovery where you're guiding them to the answer Um, so yeah
0: it's um, yeah a bit of a bit of a different mix really is that where do you think observation becomes a really important part of being a coach? Like could, rather than going in and thinking, you know what, I've got a plan. I'm going to deliver my plan. Actually, we step back and just look a little bit and we let the players play a little bit and see what's working, what's not working a, 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 with a theme. And then we can add in our value where we need to and it's appropriate. Is observation maybe something that's more, not saying say more relevant now, but we're more aware of now as coaches? Yeah, absolutely. I think the plan is just like a guide, isn't it?
1: Yeah, the FA will talk about plan do review which I think is really good and and spending equal time planning doing and reviewing but you can't you can't just live by that session plan and, and do it in that order because it might not be relevant you know I'll have a plan for driving to the training ground tomorrow and you know in my mind it's going to take me 50 minutes and I'm going to go the same journey as I normally do I'm going to stop at the same place and get a coffee but You know, there's extenuating circumstances. I don't know about the traffic. I don't know if there's going to be any accidents on the road. I don't know really what the weather's going to be like. I can try and plan ahead. But in my mind, I'll have contingencies. I'll have another way to go if that's the case. If I'm pushed for time, maybe I can't stop and get that coffee. I'll have to go somewhere else. Might have to do without. All of these different things. So it's just a guide, really. And I think you're right. I think that whole bit at the start just gives you... A period just to stand back um, and observe, and just watch and just look. Yeah, so I think the pausing bit is is really important. Um, just to stand back and observe. You know, it might be if you've planned out a practice, you can just look and just look at the pitch dimension. So this is where I think the step principle is good. That runs through a lot of the courses that we coach. So you know, space is the space relevant for the group that I'm working with. So whatever um, age range you're working with, whatever course you've been on, if it's a B licence, you're looking at, you know, am I doing a a function, a phase of play, whatever it is, have I got the pitch dimensions right? Um, Is it a small-sided game? Is the pitch too small is it too big and you might have specific reasons why you've made it that size but again it gives you a lovely opportunity just to have a look at that and almost swallow your pride and if you think it is too small or too big then go in and adjust there's 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 um lots of strength in that in my opinion um is the task relevant to the group that you're working with you know are you asking them to do something that is way too difficult we spoke on our last block scott about run those um, and I, I, this is me personally, I've never been a fan. I think sometimes we, uh, we, we look at, um, you know, a Barcelona or a Man City and see their first team, highly paid professional international footballers doing it, and we think, well, well, that fit with my under fives actually, let's try that. And all of a sudden, we're expecting them to string together five, six, seven passes. So, you know, and, and listen again, there is a place for them, isn't there? But you know, is it relevant for the group that I'm working with with regards to the task? Um, equipment we talk about. Now, that might be, we've talked about recently, the B license level, you might have to cone off areas of the pitch to get returns. Um, you might have to put lanes in. You might have to put channels in, um, depending on, on, on what outcomes you're looking for. Um, and then for me, I use the P as uh, people or players, um so do i need to um add someone in am i doing a shooting practice where they've got it so that i to add an extra defender in do i need to take one away um whatever it is so that so in terms of an acronym and, and those that know me i'm not massive on acronyms i think sometimes it's almost uh, uh we get it twisted around and we almost find a nice fancy word first make it fit
0: yeah <laughs> i like that yeah let's what in? words will work with that one yeah yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. um but this one I think is 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 great. And and that pause bit, I think gives you a time to 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 look at the step principle and just have a look. And honestly, there is so much power in putting your hand up and going, you know, sorry, um, sorry guys, I just need to make yeah. some adjustments here quickly. And if you're skillful, you can do that in the whole bit
0: and the players won't even notice anyway. Um, so yeah, I
1: think there's a lot of strength in that.
0: The other thing, Mark, I think when you look back as a coach on the start of your session, some I mean, you've got the same players every week, but they're different each week, aren't they? You know, right. you can get a sense who's had a bad day, who's a bit tired, who might be having a knock. You just get yeah. a sense of something. And actually, you're not going to necessarily reinvent the whole session because of that, but you can might just make a few allowances about certain things because say you're working on an individual that day and you can tell maybe they're not quite in that space for this session, I need to rethink that one. They one is a little bit of loosing rather than turning or vice versa. That, is that part of that as well, just getting a feel for the group? Oh,
1: absolutely. And that and that would be more of this sort of neuroscience-y stuff, um, you know. And if you look at the Steve Kerr, I think he's a, a fantastic uh, basketball coach. He will talk about connection before correction. So, you know, that connection might be, and it, I think it's worth doing, is really spending some time with your players. And um, there's a variety of ways you can do it. But finding out about them as, as people, you know, even in the, in the academy world, the stats are out there for everyone to see it's a very small percentage of people that make it whatever make it whatever making it means um but for us it'll be challenging them as players but for me just as important as developing them as people So what sort of person are they? What teams do they support outside of your training session? You know, how how is school going for them? Are they at an age where they're doing GCSEs, um, A-levels, whatever it may be? You know, having uh, just a, a slight understanding. And I think there's some wonderful moments when the players arrive, particularly if you're doing whole part whole and they're going into a game, where you can have 20 seconds, 30 seconds, that's all it'll take, just how are you today, but with meaning, um not just a a flippant throwaway um comment, but with meaning and if you can connect with them on that level or you remember something they did at the weekend um it was their birthday party or they had an event or something, that connection is is really deep, and also hopefully then you gain a little understanding of how they are, but you're so right, you know. You could have 15, 16 people that come from 15, 16 different backgrounds, different environments. Some have eaten, some haven't eaten properly, some aren't feeling that great, some are from broken families, all of this stuff. And football might be their their release. So we can't, it would be remiss of us just to throw a blanket over everyone and, you know, um, assume that they're, they're, they're all at the same um, level Absolutely. You've got to really dig deep and, and and understand the players. I think that's really important.
0: Fantastic. Well, that's up nicely then for the real crunch question. And uh, yeah. again, I apologize, it's a little bit ambiguous because maybe it's a bit unfair, but I'm sure you can handle it. Um, uh, a mark session, like, so, you yeah. know, I'm not, even, you can choose an age group if you want, but I guess mm-hmm. for most of our coaches, we probably got, we're not in the, you know, the, the academy world, most of the coaches listen to this, yeah. so we're probably working, volunteer coaches, grassroots teams, maybe going once, twice a week if we're lucky, maybe a 90 minute session. Um, if you're in that situation, you know, how would you approach it? How, how, how would your pre-session planning look? What would your setup look like? You know, what might a start, middle, end look like and how might you review at the end? I appreciate there's loads in there. Yeah if you don't want, if that's not too much to yeah. ask, like a bit of a walkthrough um, to how you might go about it. Yeah. I think depending on what age group you work with, if you think about an
1: in possession practice, um, it might be that, you know, I want to gain an insight into or support them um, with ways to play forward where possible. Um, so it might be something like that. So I need to work out uh, depending on the age, do I do that in a small sided game? game? Five V five, six V six, Um, maybe a 7v7 is it a functional practice where if you'd imagine like um, a, a helicopter is hovering above the pitch and it's just a snapshot of a certain area within the pitch again depending on numbers or is it a, a, a phase of play, again, depending on the age group that I'm working with? But if I'm working with youth teams, um, I don't know, it's 9v9, 11v11, then I might do a phase of play. And just to explain that, you'd be looking at um, two complete units. So it might be a defensive unit, a midfield unit, um, and one incomplete unit, and then the whip for the pitch. So, look, that's me talking in this utopian world where we've got the whole <laughs> yeah, event Yeah. I get it. I'm a realist. I get it. And I understand it. Um, there will be people on there shaking their heads going, what is he on the We've got a, third of <laughs>
0: we got a third of a third. of a
1: Yeah. yeah that's shot. So that might be a small side of the game. So let's base it on a, a grassroots team that, uh, let's say under eights or something for me, again, I would maximize the time in the small side of games. Um, so as soon as they come in, there'll be a connection at the start. I'm working on playing forward or attacking play. Um, and it would be small-sided to start 1v1, 2v2, 3v3, and build it up until, until all of the players are there and they'd be playing in a small-sided game. But there would be um, a task at the start that connects it all together. Um, so whether that is a certain amount of passes before you score, or it might be um, a theme, it might be a scenario that's set, um, if you can score um, X amount, or it might be um if you have you know you need three touches sorry one touch or three or more before you score whatever it is whatever the thing is that will come into your planning but I would definitely maximize some time in there Um, and then break away and look at the overall learning outcome what it was so again that would be um, as random as it as it as it can be so something again linked to a game because when I turn up to football I want to I want to score goals. I want to shoot this ball into the back of the net. Whether it is attacking, whether it is defending, I'm still going to try and make it as directional as it, as it can be. Um, so we break away and do the part, whatever the part is. And again, I try and make that as random as possible and then knit it all together at the end, back into the, um, back into the game again. Scott, if I'm totally honest with you, I've probably got five or six templates yeah did you adapt depending on a hundred percent yeah i really do i mean those of you that were fortunate enough to go on to the youth awards which have uh now ceased trading um they were brilliant yeah they were and amalgamated into the sort of mainstream courses risky business on there oh my word love it yeah yeah two goals you know three numbers yeah yeah, huge numbers but it's very much player led in terms of the numbers it's random in terms of right two of them come out to attack us one of us go out to try and defend um and i'm serving the ball team but there's i think the power is for us is to try and disguise the learning that takes place in those sessions try and disguise it as much as we can so i'm not my old coach where I'm going in and stopping it, uh, you know, and as an eight year old, I'm looking up and seeing how many airplanes I can count, you know, um, I'm disguising it. So we go away thinking, you know, I really enjoyed that today and I want to bounce, bounce back next week and join in the session again. Um, because I don't know if they need to know exactly what we've been working on. I don't know if they need to know that. I think that comes out later on. Um, a very waffled version of my session, Scott, but I, I, I haven't really got something real tangible that I hang my hat on. It, it, it's, I suppose the point I wanted to get across is, like, I've got six templates, if you like, and then I kind of shoehorn stuff into those. <laughs> and uh, adapt. And yeah. it cool. But for, it, it's just, for me, it's got to look like the game. Yeah. It's look like the game. It's got to be as, as, as random as it can be, um, and it's got to be directional. You know, that's it.
0: How do you manage your review of the sessions? Is it one of those things where you reflect back straight away? Do you get player input? Do you? How do you look back and think actually that's worked or hasn't worked from your perspective of things?
1: Yeah, I think it's different. Um, Sometimes it's sort of uh, a cold review where it is you know the next day. I mean, we know ourselves, don't we, where the session's gone gone well or, um, or we've kind of bluffed our way for it or we've struggled. Sometimes it's been in the session. I remember coaching like a youth team and I was doing a practice and one of the boys came up and said, um, Mark, wouldn't it be better if we put another lane in here and we move this here and move this here? And I looked at him and thought, wow, he's so right. The mark twenty years ago would have gone no 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 we haven't got time for that we're doing it this way because my
0: ego. Would I've gone. got my plan yeah I can't yeah. change that yeah.
1: I, I, I went no you're so right yeah let's try that and it and it was effective and it and it worked. Um, and if you look at Gareth Southgate, you know from my me sort of leaving the FA and I got the last little bits of it, but you know on the international scene, I've heard that you know he would get in, let's say the midfield free or four or five, you know, if it was a pressing, for example, and just speak to them about how do you press at your respective clubs? So you get five or six different ways and then it's a bit of an open forum and, and you know, whether it's guided discovery or what, but he's got an idea of how he wants to do it, but let's hear your views. What, 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 what do you think here? Um, you know, so those things I think can be really powerful if you manage them in the right in the right way. Um, I think you've got to be careful with it because it goes the other way. These kids are going to hold on a minute, you're supposed to be coaching. Them. Yeah. <laughs> so once you get the trust and everything, but that can be so powerful. Yeah,
0: so true. We always ask our players. So we'll do certain games. We've got kind of games called Skills Pay the Bills, or we've got the level yeah. down games. They know they know the games and they like it. But we'll always say it's not you know what, a which one of these. You want to, Depending on the theme, they link in certain themes and topics. So you know they don't get a full suite every time, but the ones that link to that theme. But once we have played it or play a new game, we'll always ask them, like, how can we improve it? And they always come up with better suggestions and better yeah. things and make the game better. Every time they'll think of something that we haven't thought of that makes it better for next time. And, yeah. um, and also, if, it, if it's not better, it's their fault, not mine. So I don't, I don't <laughs> mind using it.
1: <laughs> but, but it's the same, isn't it? Like, if you take yourself back to when, when you were at school, and I have this lovely memory that fills me with joy of um, playing in between the English and the science block with a tennis ball like a tennis ball honestly for, might yeah. as well have been a brand new adidas tango or white yeah. <laughs> Delta ball it was just <laughs> tennis ball and i tell you what there was uh, 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 20 of us probably in this yeah. gap someone was in goal and if you scored you went through but i tell you what there was no teachers around no nope. just done by us we knew exactly that was a, a, the first break we knew who was through. Come the lunch break, yeah, it was just wonderful. We didn't need anyone there. It was just our imaginations and what we thought. And you're right, we live now in this FIFA generation where a lot of our players play FIFA. Um, I was listening to a, a, a radio conversation this morning where they're talking about, you know, the the knowledge now of of, of these boys, these players, the fans is just increased. We play football manager. You know, we've got our own ideas. Yeah, so. What a wealth of knowledge, you know. And, and uh, you know, breaking news, Scott, we've had our go, unfortunately. I don't think we're going to be called up by any Premier League teams <laughs> or going to be the next international superstar. Well, I've
0: seen you play, Mark. I don't I think you're <laughs> still, you're, you're, you're not far away. There you're is gonna... no time. Um, so we've had our go. So, yeah, you know, the,
1: the terminology's changed. Yeah, it's a different game. A generation yeah. now where, you know, well, I was coaching a group of, of players the other day and um, uh, I said, Right, structure yourselves in such a way, come back and tell me what positions you're playing in. And someone said to me, I'm playing as a false nine. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Brilliant. Yeah.
1: We've got got Zinchenko at Arsenal that plays as a number 10. Yeah. In the same game. You know, he starts off as a left back. back. Yeah, exactly. Or as a number four or whatever. Um, We've got inverted wingers. We've got Bakayo Saka, who started and played most of his academy career as a left back. Yeah. Now is arguably one of the best. You know, right midfielders, inverted midfielders um, in Europe, if not the world, uh, yeah. cutting in and and you know and and so, you know and again in my era in that position, you um, were a right midfielder. You'd get down the line, beat your left back, get to the byline, and cross it in. Yeah. You, you, if you're playing in the Premier League team in that position, you've got to weigh in with you know double figure goals each season as well. That's the mm, Yeah. A yeah. Um, you know, so my point is um you know through FIFA through evolution um through social media through YouTube whatever it is the game has evolved and we've yeah. got to step up and put our egos to one side and invite this is my opinion invite yeah. this wonderful knowledge uh from the boys and uh, and girls and um take it on board
0: another thing like going back to your playground days in the tennis ball like what always fascinates me about that is very rarely do those things end up in arguments or rows between the kids. They sort things out, don't they? You know, As soon as you put adults in there, then yeah. you get a lot of these problems. So I think part of the trick, like you say, we don't want to put the ball and let the kids play. We've you, you, got yeah. to be able to facilitate yeah. practitioner and support where needed yeah. to, but actually the less you're involved, but like a good ref, I guess on a, on a good professional match, you know, you're there doing the, all the things, but you're not like the, in the, the center of it all. And you know, that we never had arguments as kids. We sort and you sorted them out uh-huh. and you dealt with things, but you know, as soon as adults are there, you've got, I guess there's a safety blanket to go to that instigates some of these things and actually trust the players because, yeah. you know, that they can do a lot more, I think, than we give them credit for. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. percent you know, The younger ones. Yeah. But
1: if you yeah, don't create that environment, then I don't think you're going to get uh, that richness. Yeah. You know? The environment's not right. Um, and you were like my old coach. Um, then you're not going to be able to question. And like the lad said to me, Mark, what about if we tried it this way? Like, I would never, I wouldn't have been able to say that. Yeah, because yeah, uh, the
0: environment wasn't right for you, didn't it? If it, it, was,
1: wasn't right, it wasn't right. It wasn't safe, was. yeah. I look back now and I, and I blame myself for years. And, you know, what a donut. I don't understand it. They all understand it. It wasn't me. It was the coach at the time. Yeah. It was yeah. nothing. So if the environment's right, um, then you've got lots of opportunities, I think, for 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 the for the boys or the girls to mm-hmm. question
0: you and say, What about this? We thought yeah.
1: about this. And that is
0: amazing. Oh. And it's amazing, like it's not just the feel-good factor and the fact it's good life skill stuff. Actually, you I think coach would be surprised how much that transfers onto the football pitch. You know, yeah. that that freedom to express yourself and be confident and, and com- confident and comfortable making decisions. Mm. You know, if you create a very coach-centered environment, I think it can stifle that that you know, that freedom of play that you see on a football pitch sometimes and making decisions, not just in an attacking way and being creative. I mean, actually just making good choices about when to defend and close spaces down. If the yeah. players, well, they can make their choices and they're in a safe space. I think you see more returns on that as well. So it's its not just feel-good stuff, is it? It has a mm. it has a practical point for football too. Yeah. And how many times do you see at the top
1: level, professional level, and there'll be people on there that relate to this with their clubs, that their clubs struggle and haven't won a game for, you know, 10, 11 games. And then a new manager comes in, and, and they win the yeah. first game, and they'll win the second game. It's the same players, yeah, exactly the same players, but it's change a new environment. Life. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. someone says, you know, go on, guys, I'm new here, just go and express yourselves. The same players, yeah. But surely it points to you know environmental factors and um, absolutely trying to get that bit right, and and, and that's what I say. It's a balance. It's all a balance, and I think the, the, the quicker we can get rid of this. Um, you know this sort of old fashioned approach of um, you know I tell you do. Coach is king. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. it's all about I, me middle of the pitch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Um, we n- we don't. We try not to tell necessarily people what they should or shouldn't do because, hey, you know, everyone's yeah. environment's a bit different. But, you know, if there was a few red flags or a few things, you know, you may want to think about not doing that or staying away that as part of you know, like trying to get an effective training session. Anything that comes to mind, anything that you wouldn't do if you didn't want to kind of not make it effective?
1: Yeah, I, I think what I wouldn't do and, and I would have done, I wouldn't do now is I wouldn't exclude uh, the parents. And the external stakeholders, so um, I would very much bring them into my my or our way of thinking. I'd very much include them. I would very much, you know, do team talks and and, and, and training session points in earshot of the parents. Um, and the and the main reasons for that is, you know, you're you're going to get those parents at the side of the of the pitch and on, on game day that are shouting things out, and if um, if you're not careful, they're going to be shouting things that are you know, totally opposite of what you've worked on in those training sessions and in, in, in the games. And what you don't want is is uh, little Johnny or Sarah looking around every two minutes because the uh, coach is saying something, granddad's shouting something out, I and mean, Manan's the other side, and so So, like, um, if you can get the buy-in um, from the start, from the parents, you know, and you can, you know, it might be this 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 this, this thing. You know, you'll, Scott, you'll be working on a project soon, I'm sure, for your UEFA B. Started and, it. Yep. Yeah, and and looking at, um, you know, what what is this club about? What are we trying to achieve here? Because, you know, I never once played in the team, never, and I've looked back at this where I I knew what the manager expected of me or us on a game day. So then, subsequently, then that lends itself to jargon old-school jargon at half-time, whereas we throw a blanket over everyone and go, we're not doing this, we're not doing this, and things like, we're not talking enough. It's a classic <laughs> that I hear. You know, yeah. you look at someone like Luka Modric, who played in a World Cup final, I think it was, you're not going to hear Luka Modric That's say that word. Yep. he was... Ca- um, so sometimes I think, me, think, I think we can we hide behind things like that. So if you open it out and say, come on, what are we about? Get the players' input. Let the parents be privy to that information as well. And then we're all kind of one team at the side, you know, and it might be then that I can speak to that parent who's quite vocal and, and I don't know, give them a job to do. You know, can you watch the opposition and feedback at half time? see what they're doing, what are their strengths, what are their areas that we could exploit. Can you do a um, little tally chart for me? Um, how many times we've entered the opposition's half or how many effective passes we've played or, or how many effective crosses we've played? You know, just give that to me at half-time and I can present that to the team. All of these things, I think they're the biggest things for me. Um, I would definitely include um, the, the, the parents, um and um, yeah, and and definitely the players as well.
0: The boys, the girls, definitely 100% get their input. Um, you mentioned a bit earlier as well about, you know, the, the game's changing and we've got to be thinking ahead. Obviously, with your work, obviously, Arsenal, the pre-academy yeah. and just coaching more broadly, you know, with with our players really for the next five ten years, not today, right? Is there yeah. things we need to factor in around that? I'm thinking of decision making, maybe, and just being more like giving them more opportunities to take control of things. Maybe more variation where how they play positions. Maybe variation format formations. Um, how how is the game changing, and how can we best prepare our players for that?
1: Yeah, what a great question. I was speaking to a primary school teacher a few weeks ago, and she said to me, Mark. Um, my job teaching seven and eight year olds is quite difficult in the fact that I'm preparing them for jobs that don't exist yep. yet. And then I cool. thought, wow. And I look at my boy who's sixteen now, and he's gone through or going through the schooling system, and you know algebra and all of this stuff that was I found <laughs> boring at school. He's had to do. No one's taught him how to be a billionaire from uh, TikTok or um, YouTube, or to start and a business. AI yeah.
0: and yeah, well, that
1: kind AI, of stuff, yeah. all of this yep. stuff um, and I think it's the same with football you know we're, we're potentially coaching these boys and girls at 7 and 8 for positions that don't exist yet Absolutely. Uh, um, I think it, I think it might be Girona in, in La Liga that are flying high at the minute that almost depersonalised positions and they have spaces on the pitch that they cover and they work like where it's going I don't know but certainly for us we we think you know if you're producing or looking to produce Premier League players of the future you can bet your bottom dollar they need to be able to deal with the football so lots of stuff on the ball um, being able to master the ball at a young age um, those golden years so they tell us of 6 to 12 where you can really master the ball because You know, a right-back in this day and age, if you look at um, uh, Ben White, for instance, um, you know, converted from a a centre-back, if you like, but very comfortable on the ball, um, presented by a left-winger, it doesn't mean that he gets scared and passes it back. They still want to play forward and penetrate where they can. If he needs to entice that player and eliminate, there's no problem. He'll be able to do that. So being able to deal with your duels effectively... Will only come from being able to master the ball at a younger age, and I think it's very difficult to start talking about mastering the ball once you once you get out of those golden years, sort of twelve plus. I think it becomes difficult, um, and certainly in this country, me growing up, has been obsessed with passing the ball. I don't quite get it, um, we, we, you know. It, it, even the analogy we use then is me p- passing a tennis ball to you. Yeah. From yeah. But that's the thing that we do, isn't it? As a as a as a dad as to a young child. You stand there, you said, Right, kick it to me. Yeah. Um I'll I'll stay on it. T- yeah. yeah, we're not we're not enjoying the football from a young age. It's getting rid of it.
0: Well, it's funny because I remember hearing th- something ages ago, and it was saying it's a cultural thing. So, in like the northern European countries, particularly, like we're very much the kid gets the ball as a as, you know as a little and and just kicks and runs with it or passes. And then, but I think in the Latin Latino countries, like your Brazils and your South American countries, they they get a ball and they stay on the ball, you know. And you yeah. can tell fast for, yeah. for, for, for that ten fifteen years, and you can see the difference it makes, right?
1: Yeah, and and I think there is a huge misconception with it um, over the years, and people have said to me, or oh, you, you you know. What do you mean that we just sort of dribble, dribble up sort of blind alleys? And, da, da, da. Um, you know, Luca Modric, who we mentioned before, is a, is a great example of someone who stays on the ball just that little bit longer. Um, you know, a strikers non is almost the ball goes up and you've got to pop it around the corner in one touch. Well, actually, if you can secure it and hold it and give your, the team a chance to get up the pitch and join you and share it and spin and, you know, being able to deal with the ball in every position. You know, we've got a situation at the minute with the with goalkeepers and you've got a goalkeeper in David Ray, who you alluded to then played futsal at a young age. So very used to be able to deal with the ball. And the way that the manager wants to play, you know, you've got to start off attacks and um, and get us playing from the back, but being nice and comfortable. And that's not to say that uh, Ramsdale's not, because he's very, very good with his feet as well. Yeah. You know, fight. You're talking fine margins, real fine margins. But ultimately, players all over the pitch that, that 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 can deal with the ball. And I think certainly our way is, you know, you. you um, you get to 12, 13, 14. You can't be just dribbling the ball and taking players on. There's got to be the right time for the passes and um, more sort of concise passes. Um, and if you look to uh, Chelsea uh, last night, um, I say last night, whenever this goes out, you know, and listening to the commentary of that game, and it was kind of a, a, you know, a lot of safe passes, um, recycled passes across the back, but no real sort of penetrative passes and, um, you know, I think sometimes um, it can look quite good on stats, you know, individually and collectively being able to, um, you know, just get it and pass it, get it and pass it. It can look quite, quite good. And it can be misleading actually those stats.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Those real sort of killer passes that break lines and stuff are, uh, are more sort of high risk. Um, and, and and leave themselves open to be cut out. So obviously your stats are reduced. But um, yeah, I think just being comfortable, being able to master the ball at a young age um, to be able to hopefully dominate possession a bit later on.
0: Fantastic. Thanks, Mark. Look, I would get shot down if I didn't ask you this one question that we've got, you know, you here, part of the Arsenal Pre-Academy. We know that it can be quite a crazy world of, you know, those younger age groups and all mm. these parents and players are very keen to get their, their child into like a professional academy. And I, I in, 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 for many of these kids, you know, it's the best place for them to be and they, they're, they're, you know, they're working hard and that's the right space. them. sometimes maybe not everyone at that moment in time, but the, you know, yeah. aspirations nonetheless, would you have any tips for, you know, players, parents or coaches of, of players um, about how they might want to best support their the players they've got to, if they've got aspirations to get into an academy, what, what the best way of going about that would be for them? Yeah, I think I could,
1: you know, speaking for us, we've got, um, you know, um, lots of scouts that go out and, and, and watch games and, um, you know, Saturdays, Sundays, uh, in the week, whatever it is, they're always out there, they're watching. Um, and I think for us, it is, again, we talked about the, the, the stats before, but um, really for us it's important that we create an environment where um we're gonna develop these young boys as people first. It's really, really important and um you know, because we you, you, you never know. Um hopefully they'll go on and have the careers that, that, that they want and play professional football and play for you know, um play in the Premier League and play in that's well, that's a real utopian view, but for us it is developing as people and maybe you can end up being that. Um, that pilot or that accountant or starting your own business or whatever it may be. So that's for us, it is just, um, well, certainly for me, it's just equally as important. Um, and also for us, it is so important. And for me in particular, that dropout rate that concerns me is that it's got to be enjoyable. Just because you're in an academy, it doesn't mean all of a sudden that you, you, you know, well, you shouldn't lose that love for the game. That's why we've all got into it. Um, And it's just so, so important.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Mark, do you have any... uh, I don't believe i ask an unfair question here. Do you have any concerns about, um, especially younger players now, playing too much football? Um, Now, look, don't get me wrong. When you're in the academy system, you know, they've got their regime and and I'm sure that's well thought out and well planned. But Mm -hmm. I I hear a lot that the the kids are in there also doing the extra stuff in between those sessions and stuff. And there's a whole set of no days off now, which kind of gives me a little bit, I'll be honest with you, a little bit of a... A shake yeah. when I hear it because it's uh, you yeah. know th- these can be eight nine ten eleven twelve year olds that are literally playing every time every, every day of the week and it, it, oh, should we be worried about that M- maybe not necessarily today but certainly maybe five or ten years time yeah. physically and emotionally
1: yeah yeah I agree Scott I, I do I am I am concerned with it um I think the Premier League have put in some wonderful sort of ruling in place in terms of um contacts um and and almost um taking this sort of professional element out of uh, academy football particularly at a young age which i agree with um and yeah i mean for me it's just as important at these young ages to go and try other sports as well go and try basketball or perhaps go and do some martial arts or swimming or whatever it is you know there's some wonderful learning opportunities in those younger years um, and again i know it's potentially a societal thing, and it's it's completely different now to to when I was young. But I would be, you know, out in that back garden and experimenting, and yeah. just doing lots of different stuff away away from football. Um, and yeah, for me, I think there's 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 so much now. There's a huge one to one market, and 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 people have got some you know fantastic businesses out there, and they do really well. Um, but I think for some of the boys that are playing. As you kind of mentioned, like every day of the week, I think that is far too much. I really do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm sure it will level itself out. I just, you know, I think, God, you think about people's needs. the And also, like, even yeah. I know with that, and I'm, I'm part of the problem here because we coach the kids and we have them one session a week and they'll be doing, uh, you know, other stuff. But our sessions, I think, are pretty good. They're high intensity, you know, lots of ball rolling time. We, we do all right. But you yeah. think, God, they had, get, in the old days when the sessions were a little bit slower, maybe not as good, but they were a little bit slower. Maybe the, the strain wasn't quite as much physically and mentally. Well, actually, now, if they're getting a, a good session on Monday, then they get in a, an academy session on a Tuesday, then a once one on a Wednesday. Like, it's not one we used to play when we'd go and play the park with our mates every night and there was no days off, but actually we were dipping in and out how we wanted to, and it wasn't nothing like this. Um, yeah. So in some ways, we're, I don't want to be a victim of our own success. I mean, we've done really good things through the work the FA's done, the youth modules, everything else, you know, I know my yeah. own coaching is a lot better. It couldn't have got worse, but it's definitely a lot better than it was 10 years <laughs> ago. Um, you know, but in, in some ways the downside to that is that, you know, the, the kids have to work super hard, you know, it's fun and yeah. it's engaging, but it's relentless yeah, I think it's you know a good barometer for me. It's certainly
1: at grassroots level is when the boys come in and the uh, or girls come in, but boys in my case they chuck their drink bottles down. They yeah. don't know where they've landed. They just bring it <laughs> to the venue and bang. Yeah, they're volunteers. Yeah, they're volunteers. It shouldn't be um, you know chore. Yeah, it shouldn't be a yeah. chore. It shouldn't yeah. be a drain. It shouldn't be like work to them like a job. It's they are volunteers who love the game. Yeah. Uh, and I always think that's a good one. Um, yeah, when the when the drink goes flying at the end of the session. Have you seen my drinks bottle?
0: Yeah. Well they've turned up and they're into it straight away. That's what you want. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Brilliant. Mark, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure turning tables on you. Um I have got one last question we asked yeah. all our guests this one. So um you know if there was one thing you could change about the world of coaching, what would that be?
1: Really good question. I think Um, almost relinquishing this sort of power Scott um, and and, and really being open to um, the inquisitive minds of the the young players in front of us I think that's the main
0: thing for me love it Great answer, couldn't agree more, Mark. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to sure. like I say. Thank you for everything. Next plans for you? What well, obviously besides getting us all through UEFA, which is going to be a job and a half. I know <laughs> that I've seen the gang you've got to work with. So, uh, you know, good luck with that one. But we'll do our best, I'm sure. But what's your plans for the next few years? What you're hoping to yeah, do business. Like business as normal. Yeah, I think so, Scott. I've got no sort of immediate plans. Um,
1: I've really sort of delved into a bit of further education. So, fortunate enough to just, just completed my, my master's. Um, I, and I, and I'm, I'm quite into sort of education and learning now. So, um, I want to sort of delve through some of your podcasts. Um, I listen to, try and listen to a podcast a day when I'm in my car. It used to be. Music on, and I, I sort of figured that I'm just listening to songs that I've always listened to. So, how yeah, about I know all the words to those? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just to educate yourself a little bit more and, um, yeah, just keep pushing and striving because the game is just changing all of the time and just trying to stay, um, stay, stay with it really and not drift
0: too far behind. That makes it fun, doesn't it? that That's part of that's what's good about it, it's like, it's constantly evolving. I've yeah. got to ask you magic tricks, Mark. What we didn't get across on the podcast, and we can't do any, I'm sure, because it's an audio, not a visual thing. Yeah. But w- what is this about? You you entertained us fully on the on <laughs> over the weekend, and when there was a quiet moment or two, there wasn't many. But there was a quiet moment, so you, yeah. you were doing some kind of trick or some description. Is is, yeah. is are we going to see you on stage at some point, or is this just a sideline uh, to the education? Well, <laughs> I don't know
1: where it came from. Maybe it was lockdown, actually. Maybe it was lockdown. And um, yeah, I just again, I think it probably, if I wind it back, goes back to the environment. So, So whether it's on a UEFA B course, whether it's in front of uh, a group of players, it's just creating an environment where you just make people smile a little bit and they can just relax because I know or I think then I'm going to get the best from them in that hour or two hours. If I feel threatened in an environment, which I did at school, where the maths teacher threw a pencil across the room and said, oi, you answer this question, we've spoken about it before but for me it goes to shut down and you're not going to get anything from me and I probably don't want to come back next week and I might pretend that I've got a stomach ache and etc etc if you create that environment whether it's a a (laughs) a magic trick or you make yourself uh, vulnerable at some point and you can relax the group and I think you get um, lots of golden stuff back Um, yeah I think that's why
0: (laughs) There you go. Look, well, I think some way you've managed to relate the magic back, back to football and coaching again. So well done yeah, because you yeah. did right. Superb. Well, I'm looking yeah. forward to the next block. I'm looking forward to the next lot of magic tricks and everything else that comes yeah. with it. Thanks so much for today. If people want to get hold of you, Mark, is there a good way to reach out and make contact?
1: Um, I think yeah, via via the podcast. I don't really do sort of social media um anymore now, but all, all through you, Scott, I'm here and um you know, it's a, an open house where we are. I'm always prepared to share. You know, we're all in this together. It can be quite tough sometimes. So um, those of you who know me, I'm, I'm happy to share resources. And um, Rich and I share, share quite a lot on the podcast as well, as I'm sure you guys do as well. So, um, yeah, they'd be the best avenues, really, Scott.
0: Top man. We'll put the links in the show notes to your podcast. um Mark, thanks so much again. Really appreciate it. And you're there for the you've done this for us. So oh, very right. grateful. Uh, have a great half term and I look forward to seeing you all right. hopefully for the next block. We'll start on the next block. Cheers, Scott. Thank you. Cheers. This episode was brought to you in association with our friends at Soccer Coach Weekly. Established since 2006, Soccer Coach Weekly is a leading source of inspiration and advice for all grassroots coaches. Join thousands of youth soccer coaches just like you, saving time and effort in their goal of having the most effective, enjoyable and successful coaching journey for them and their players. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode.